Section 2 of The Red Laugh by Leonid Andreev. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Ben Tucker. Part 1, Fragment 4. Coiled round like snakes. He saw the wire, chopped through at one end, cut the air and coil itself round three soldiers. The barbs tore their uniforms and stuck into their bodies, and shrieking, the soldiers spun round in frenzy two of them dragging the third, who was already dead, after them. Then only one remained alive, and he tried to push the two that were dead away from him, but they trailed after him, whirling and rolling over each other and over him. Suddenly, all three became motionless. He told me that no less than two thousand men were lost at that one wire entanglement. While they were hacking at the wire and getting entangled in its serpentine coils, they were pelted by an incessant rain of balls and grape-shot. He assured me it was very terrifying, and if only they had known in which direction to run, that attack would have ended in a panic flight. But ten or twelve continuous lines of wire, and the struggle with it, a whole labyrinth of pitfalls with stakes driven in at the bottom, had muddled them so that they were quite incapable of defining the direction of escape. Some, like men blind, fell into the funnel-shaped pits and hung upon the sharp stakes, pierced through the stomach, twitching convulsively and dancing like toy clowns. They were crushed down by fresh bodies, and soon the whole pit filled to the edges and presented a writhing mass of bleeding bodies dead and living. Hands thrust themselves out of it in all directions, the fingers working convulsively, catching at everything and those who once got caught in that trap could not get back again. Hundreds of fingers, strong and blind like the claws of a lobster, gripped them firmly by the legs, caught at their clothes, threw them down upon themselves, gouged out their eyes and throttled them. Many seemed as if they were intoxicated and ran straight at the wire, got caught in it, and remained shrieking until a bullet finished them. Generally speaking, they all seemed like people intoxicated, some swore dreadfully, others laughed when the wire caught them by the arm or leg and died there and then. He himself, although he had nothing to eat or drink since the morning, felt very queer. His head swam, and there were moments when the feeling of terror in him changed to wild rapture, and from rapture again to terror. When somebody struck up a song at his side, he caught up the tune, and soon a whole unanimous chorus broke forth. He did not remember what they sang, only that it was lively in a dancing strain. Yes, they sang, while all around them was red with blood. The very sky seemed to be red, and one could have thought that a catastrophe had overwhelmed the universe. A strange disappearance of colors. The light blue and green and other habitual peaceful colors had disappeared, while the sun blazed forth in a red flare light. The red laugh, said I but he did not understand. Yes, and they laughed, as I told you before, like people intoxicated. Perhaps they even danced. There was something of the sort. At least the movements of those three resembled dancing. He remembers distinctly. When he was shot through the chest and fell, his legs twitched for some time until he lost consciousness, as if he were dancing to music. And at the present moment, when he thinks of that attack, a strange feeling comes over him, partly fear, and partly the desire to experience it all over again.
and get another ball in your chest? asked I. There now, why should I get a ball each time? But it would not be half bad, old boy, to get a medal for bravery. He was lying on his back with a waxen face, sharp nose, prominent cheekbones, and sunken eyes. He was lying, looking like a corpse and dreaming of a medal. Mortification had already set in. He had a high temperature, and in three days' time he was to be thrown into the grave to join the dead. Nevertheless, he lay smiling dreamily and talking about a medal. "'Have you telegraphed to your mother?' I asked. He glanced at me with terror, animosity, and anger, and did not answer. I was silent, and then the groans and ravings of the wounded became audible. But when I rose to go, he caught my hand in his hot, but still strong one, and fixed his sunken, burning eyes upon me in a lost and distressed way. "'What does it all mean, eh? What does it all mean?' asked he in a frightened and persistent manner, pulling at my hand. "'What? Everything, in general. Now she's waiting for me, but I cannot. My country. Is it possible to make her understand what my country means?' "'The red laugh,' answered I. "'Ah, you're always joking, but I am serious. It is indispensable to explain it, but is it possible to make her understand?' If you only knew what she says in her letters, what she writes, and you know her words are gray-haired, and you... He looked curiously at my head, pointed his finger, and suddenly breaking into a laugh said, Why, you've grown bald! Have you noticed it? There are no looking glasses here. Many have grown bald and gray. Look here, give me a looking glass. Give me one. I feel white hair growing out of my head. Give me a looking glass. He became delirious, crying and shouting out, and I left the hospital. That same evening, we got up an entertainment, a sad and strange entertainment, at which, amongst the guests, the shadows of the dead assisted. We decided to gather in the evening and have tea, as if we were at home, at a picnic. We got a samovar, we even got a lemon and glasses, and established ourselves under a tree, as if we were at home, at a picnic. Our companions arrived noisily in twos and threes, talking, joking, and full of gleeful expectation, but soon grew silent, avoiding to look at each other, for there was something fearful in this meeting of spared men, in tatters, dirty, itching, as if we were covered by a dreadful ringworm, with hair neglected, thin and worn, having lost all familiar and habitual aspect. We seemed to see each other for the first time as we gathered round the samovar, and seeing each other, we grew terrified. In vain I looked for a familiar face in this group of disconcerted men. I could not find one. These men, restless, hasty, and jerky in their movements, starting at every sound, constantly looking for something behind their backs, trying to fill up that mysterious void into which they were too terrified to look, by superfluous gesticulations, were new, strange men, whom I did not know and their voices sounded different, articulating the words with difficulty and jerks, easily passing into angry shouts or senseless, irrepressible laughter at the slightest provocation. And everything around us was strange to us. The tree was strange, and the sunset strange, and the water strange, with a peculiar taste and smell as if we had left the earth and entered into a new world together with the dead. 
a world of mysterious phenomena and ominous, somber shadows. The sunset was yellow and cold, black, unillumined, motionless clouds hung heavily over it, while the earth under it was black, and our faces in that ill-omened light seemed yellow like the faces of the dead. We all sat watching the samovar, but it went out, its sides reflecting the yellowishness and menace of the sunset, and it seemed also an unfamiliar, dead, and incomprehensible object. "'Where are we?' asked somebody. An uneasiness and fear sounded in his voice. Somebody sighed. Somebody convulsively cracked his fingers. Somebody laughed. Somebody jumped up and began walking quickly around the table. These last days one could often meet with such men. They were always walking hastily, almost running at times, strangely silent, at times mumbling something in an uncanny way. "'At the war!' answered he who had laughed, and again burst into a hollow, lingering laugh, as if something was choking him. "'What is he laughing at?' asked somebody indignantly. "'Look here! Stop it!' The other choked once more, gave a titter, and stopped obediently. It was growing dark. The clouds seemed to be settling down on the earth, and we could with difficulty distinguish each other's yellow phantom-like faces. Somebody asked, And where is Fatty Legs? Fatty Legs we called a fellow officer who, being short, wore enormous watertight boots. He was just here now. Fatty Legs, where are you? Fatty Legs, don't hide. We can smell your boots. Everybody laughed, but... Their laugh was interrupted by a rough, indignant voice that sounded out of the darkness. Stop that! Are you not ashamed? Fatty Legs was killed this morning, reconnoitering. He was here just now. It must be a mistake. You imagined it. Hey ho, you there, behind the samovar, cut me a slice of lemon. And me! And me! The lemon is finished! How was that, boys? sounded a gentle, hurt voice, full of distress and almost crying. Why? I only came for the sake of the lemon. The other again burst into a hollow and lingering laugh, and nobody checked him, but he soon stopped. He gave a snigger and was silent. Somebody said, Tomorrow we begin the advance on the enemy. But several voices cried out angrily, Nonsense! Advance on the enemy indeed! But you know yourself! Shut up! As if we cannot talk of something else! The sunset faded, the cloud lifted, and it seemed to grow lighter. The faces became more familiar, and he, who kept circling round us, grew calmer and sat down. "'I wonder what it's like at home now,' asked he vaguely, and in his voice there sounded a guilty smile. And once again all became terrible, incomprehensible, and strange, so intensely so that we were filled with horror, almost to the verge of losing consciousness." And we all began talking and shouting at the same time, bustling about, moving our glasses, touching each other's shoulders, hands, knees, and all at once became silent, giving way before the incomprehensible. At home? cried somebody out of the darkness. His voice was hoarse and quivering with emotion, fear, and hatred. And some of the words would not come out, as if he had forgotten how to say them. A home? What home? Why, is there home anywhere? Don't interrupt me or else I shall fire. At home I used to take a bath every day. Can you understand? A bath with water, water up to the very edges. 
while now I do not even wash my face every day. My head is covered with scarf, and my whole body itches, and over it, crawl, crawl. I'm going mad from dirt while you talk of home. I am like an animal. I despise myself. I cannot recognize myself, and death is not at all terrifying. You tear my brain with your shrapnel shots. Aim at what you will. I'll hit my brain. And you can speak of home. What home? Streets, windows, people. But I would not go into the street now for anything. I should be ashamed to. You brought a samovar here, but I was ashamed to look at it. The other laughed again. Somebody called out. Damn it all, I shall go home. Home? You don't understand what duty is. Home? Listen, he wants to go home. There was a burst of laughter and of painful shouts. And again all became silent, giving way before the incomprehensible. And then not only I, but every one of us felt that. It was coming towards us out of those dark, mysterious, and strange fields. It was rising from out of those obscure, dark ravines where maybe the forgotten and lost among the stones were still dying. It was flowing from the strange, unfamiliar sky. We stood around the dying-out samovar in silence, losing consciousness from horror, while an enormous, shapeless shadow that had risen above the world looked down upon us from the sky with a steady and silent gaze. Suddenly, quite close to us, Probably at the commander's house, music burst forth, and the frenzied, joyous, loud sounds seemed to flash out into the night and stillness. The band played with frenzied mirth and defiance, hurriedly, discordantly, too loudly, and too joyously, and one could feel that those who were playing, and those who were listening, saw as we did that same enormous, shapeless shadow risen above the world. And it was clear the player on the trumpet carried in himself, in his very brain and ears, that same enormous dumb shadow. The abrupt and broken sound tossed about, jumping and running away from the others, quivering with horror and insanity in its lonesomeness. And the other sounds seemed to be looking round at it, so clumsily they ran, stumbling, falling, and again rising in a disorderly crowd. Too loud, too joyous, too close to the black ravines, where most probably the forgotten and lost among the boulders were still dying. And we stood for a long time around the cold samovar, and were silent. End of section two.